Mark chapter 14, but before we get to Mark chapter 14, let's talk just a little bit. I was walking with Caleb today, and we started this thing on prayer because a lot of times we have a question about why do we pray? I mean, is there really any sense in praying? Do I, you know, does God even listen to me? So I'm walking down the road, and I was talking to Caleb this morning, as uh, we'll do from time to time, and I was just asking, why pray? Now, Caleb, why, why do we pray? Why do we pray? What do you think were some of the things that maybe he said this morning? What are some of the things that you might say? It's that talking with God deal, okay? You, uh, what else do you think that an 11-year-old might say? Do what? Help me pass my test? Yeah. Well, Daddy said so, yeah. He said to me a couple things that really caught my attention coming from an 11-year-old. You know, it's amazing what we pick up. And he said, number one, because I'm supposed to pray. He said to me, it gives us time to talk and recognize who God is and remember his greatness. And he says, it's a time for us to go before the Lord and ask forgiveness because we don't always act right. Now, how many of you haven't acted right this week? Okay, let's have prayer. <laughs> prayer should be a natural part. Somebody, somebody said this this past week. They said we should be praying without ceasing. That's very true. Prayer is that attitude that as we go along, Lord, I'm seeking your will over my will, not just my, what I want, what, what I desire, what, what I think is best. But God, as I walk about life, that prayer without ceasing, I think that as I go and as I make decisions day by day by day, Lord, I'm listening for your voice in the midst of that. And I don't know if I always do that. I don't, I don't really know, Scott, if that's always at the top of my priority because a lot of times I have the things that I need to get done. And, Lord, I need you to help me with this, and I need you to do this for me, and I need you to do that for me. And, Lord, if you'll solve that problem, Kay, you know what I'm saying? Lord, if you'll solve that problem, if you'll fix my child, if you'll fix my husband, if you'll fix my wife, if you'll fix whatever it may be, that's some of the prayers. Lord, I need just a little bit more finances in my bank account. But really, that time of prayer is as I walk through my life. God, I'm, I'm, I'm looking and, I, and I'm desiring to hear your voice. See, when, when, heritage, when heritage was planted, it wasn't planted because we wanted to do church better. It wasn't because we wanted to sing better songs and, you know, and, and, and have the lights and the show and, and everybody greeting you at the door with a little smile on so we can grow and be bigger and we can build. No, no, that, really, that didn't have anything to do. God said, go. And in the midst of that, not just go to church, but how, how, do, you, how do you groom a, a group of people that would actually desire to be the church and represent Christ in the community in which we live? Because I have to believe this. If there were a group of people that were on mission, living for Christ, desiring to hear His voice, within the community in which they live or have been planted, whatever that may be, that it would have an unbelievable impact. You wouldn't be able to sit the people in the, in the pews or in the chairs because people so much desire to hear God's voice. 
yet all they see so many times is our religious fervor. But Gus, don't you want to hear God's voice? That as you go to work over at Seco, that man, God would use you in the midst of that. People, as they saw you in your decision making and your actions, they would go, man, there's something different about that guy. And I don't really know what it is, but whatever it is, I want some of it. So you got Jesus in the midst of this time, and we talked about it last week. Here's Jesus walking in and amongst his disciples, living amongst them. And as they lived amongst him, there was a time as they watched Jesus as he would go off to pray. And they heard what he said, and there was something that caught their attention. These guys, these guys had prayed before, but there was something about the way that Jesus prayed that caught their attention. In the midst of that, they said, Jesus, will you teach us to pray? And if you want to hear that, go back and listen to last week's sermon on, online. But today what we want to do is we want to take a passage of Scripture because Jesus didn't teach us how to pray, but Jesus himself prayed. And today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture, Chad, that here's Jesus praying, and this wasn't a teaching moment. Jesus is, is getting ready to pray, and he's in the middle of great distress and suffering. And he takes himself away from the disciples, and he and he removes himself and he goes off to pray. I mean, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but Jesus in the flesh, Jesus as man, suffered. Suffered. I mean, here he was, knowing that he was the chosen one, he was the, the Passover lamb that would die for our sins, and Jesus knew that and we're going to try to bring that out today and in the midst of that he knew he knew exactly what was going to take place and he said man i need to leave you guys and i need to separate myself and i need to go talk to the father because what's getting ready to happen i don't want to participate in it because i know the suffering that lies ahead man i just don't want to go there sometimes we might ask the question this this type of question well if if Jesus is God, is there, is there, it, did he really even need to pray? I mean, didn't he like have a, an end on, on, the, on the game? I mean, did, didn't Jesus always get what he, what he wanted? But you're going to see today that Jesus didn't have any special privileges. That as he went to his father, he would end up facing something that he didn't want to experience. And in that time of desperation, there was something that happened in the midst of Jesus' prayer. There was something that changed. There was something that happened. And I hope today that as we talk about this, that maybe the Holy Spirit would speak to you, because I think that what we'll learn today isn't just some information, but I think there's something that we can apply to our lives because every one of us will walk through a time of suffering, Steve. I know you've always had an easy life. <laughs> but there's going to be times in our lives when the suffering gets so intense and we ask the question, why? And God, remove from me this stress. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Have you ever had something that's, that you knew that lied ahead? Something that you knew that you were going to face, but you didn't want to face it. You ever had an experience like that, Jim? 
There was something in life that you knew without a shadow of a doubt that you were going to face. You knew that it was, it was ahead of you, but you just didn't want to face it. But you knew that regardless of how much that you ignored the issue, that you couldn't get away from it. You couldn't. You couldn't run from it. You couldn't hide from it, but you knew that it, that which was impending, that it was going to happen regardless. Knock at the door. You've probably gotten it before. The phone call, the email, the FedEx box, or whatever it might be. What was inevitable, you couldn't run from it, and it was going to happen regardless if you wanted it to happen or not. I mean, how many times have I been standing at the, host- at the side of a hospital bed or in somebody's home or at hospice, and I knew the inevitable... I knew what was going to take place, and I could pray for the family, but I knew that regardless of the amount of medicine, that the amount of prayers, that whatever that I had to offer or a doctor had to offer, I knew what lied ahead, and I couldn't change it. How do you pray in that time? I mean, how do you pray in a time when you know that something is inevitable that you don't want to face, yet you know that you can't? avoid it. And it may not be death. I mean, it might be financial collapse. All of a sudden, it's that phone call. Or maybe it's that husband or wife that just basically says, I'm out of here. Or maybe it's a child that decides to go their own way. Have you ever prayed and you didn't think the outcome would be changed because of your prayer? Have you ever done that? Have you ever found yourself, Carlos, praying for something, yet in the midst of the prayer, Saying to yourself, I really don't know why I'm praying for this because is my prayer really going to change anything? Come on, guys, help me out. Because if you're honest, I mean, haven't you been there, Jim? You've been there. Yeah. I mean, we've, Marcus, I mean, come on. I mean, hello. Yeah, we've been there. We've been at that place where we're asking, but I just don't know if it's going to help. it's going to help. Today we're going to find Jesus in a very, very difficult situation. More difficult than anything that any one of us will ever face in life, regardless of what we may think or feel. We're going to see Jesus at a a place of desperation. And in the middle of Jesus' prayer, there's something that changes. There was a turn that takes place. Because Jesus knew what lied ahead, and he knew what was inevitable. He knew what was going to happen. And in the midst of this, I think we might hear God's voice today as we learn about the priority in prayer. Because I think there's a reason that we go before our our Heavenly Father. And it's not always, God, give me this, give me that. But God, can I hear your voice and can can I know that you're with me as I walk through this difficulty? Now, I've said all that to get you to Mark chapter 14. So if you're there, we're going to be in the New Testament. We're going to take a look in the Gospel of Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, one of the first of what's considered to be the Gospels there inside the New Testament. And these are some words that that Mark pins out for us as we look at the story to sort of give you a little bit of an overview. Jesus, up until this point in time, had been hanging out with the disciples. We see him prior to this celebrating Passover. Um, there inside the city. 
And in the midst of that, they have just gotten up. There's been a teaching that's taking place. But really up until this time, there's not been a lot of tension. But Jesus has announced to them several times over the past little bit that, let me tell you what's going to happen. Times are going to get rough. There's going to be a tremendous amount of tension, and I'm going to be arrested, and eventually I'm going to die. He's already announced that to them. He's announced to, he's announced to them that one would betray him. One of his closest. You ever been betrayed? Hurts, doesn't it? Jesus has already announced to, to Peter, listen, you're going to deny me. Peter's response, I, I wouldn't do that, Lord. Yeah. Here is Judas betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver for his own personal gain. Here is Peter that is going to eventually deny him. And the rest of the disciples would be scattered out of fear for their lives. And in the midst of those tensions, this is what we see happening as we enter into the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus goes to pray that night that he would be betrayed. Mark chapter 14, verse 32, and let's, let's read what it has to say as we walk through this today and talk about God's priority for us in prayer. Let me pray for us as we start this. Father, in the stillness of this moment, I don't know why every person is here, but this is what I do know. Every one of us that are here need to hear your word today. And so would you take away the foolishness of my speech, speech, the stories that I may tell, the laughter, the tears that we may shed, and may the Holy Spirit penetrate our hearts today with what you want us to hear. So that when we leave this place today, we will be further along in the journey than where we are right now. It's not a miss to me to believe that there's some that are here that are just dealing and just hanging on by a thread. There are some that are here that's so excited about tomorrow just to be able to get out and, and go back out into the workplace or back into the home so that they can, they, can, they can live for you and have an impact in this community in which we live. There are some that are here that really don't know why they're here. It's fact, the fact that somebody told them to come. and So they said, okay, I'll go. But Father, would your spirit move in this place today? May you speak very clearly to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 14, verse 32, and this is what he records. They, they, they went to the olive grove called Gethsemane, and Jesus said, sit here while I pray. Jesus didn't say, okay, let's go sit together and let's hold hands and we're going to sing Kumbaya. It's not what he said. This, isn't Jesus, this wasn't a teaching time. But these, this is Jesus getting ready to remove himself because he says, I've got to go spend some time with my father. In verse 33, says he took Peter, James, and John with him. Okay, so there's some. And then he takes Peter, James, and John with him. And he became deeply troubled and distressed. So here's Jesus, the Son of God, leaving some behind, taking Peter, James, and John with him, and the Bible says that he 
was deeply troubled and distressed. Somebody tell me what deeply troubled and distressed means. What? Stress? Anxious? Worry? Nervous? Devastated? Scared? I mean, all these different emotions that they're experiencing, that Jesus himself is experiencing. So he's left some. He's taken Peter, James, and John. And, it's, and, the, and the Bible specifically care, gives us the characteristics of what he's, what he's feeling right here. He's deeply troubled and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Now I want you to stay here and keep watch with me. So here's Jesus knowing what's coming. He knows the details of what's going to take place in advance. And he didn't hide his emotions. Or he didn't pretend that everything was okay. But he, he was honest and he said, guys, man, I'm struggling. I mean, what, how do you respond when people ask, man, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm just doing fine. You know what the definition they told us the other day in a crisis training was? A fine, <laughs> fearful, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So the next time somebody asks you, man, how are you doing? You get ready to say, fine. I want you to go back and remember, fearful, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Man, I'm not doing well. I'm stressed. I'm anxious. I'm struggling. I'm having a difficult time. Jesus didn't hide that. Why do we hide when we're struggling? Here's, here's God in the flesh saying, man, I'm, I'm having a bad day. I don't know how much longer I can stand it. But guys, I'm going to go pray and I need you to stay here. I need you to keep, I need you to keep watch. In one of the passages of Scripture in Luke, Luke, a doctor, records this, that Jesus was so, up, so distressed that, that he was up under so much stress that his sweat was like drops of blood how many of you have ever been to the point that you your spirit just felt like it was crushed to the point of death thirty five says he went on a little further and he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it were possible the awful hour awaiting him might pass by Abba, Father, he cried out, everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering from me. Lord, I know what's planned. I know what's inevitable. I know what's down the line. And it's not something that I want to take place. It's not something that I want to happen. So, Daddy, you can do whatever you want. You're God, and, and I, you're God and, and I'm not in the midst of this. And God, but this is what I want you to know. God, can you take this cup from me? Can you take this suffering from me? Help me out. Help me out. Daddy, I know you can fix this. I know you can handle it. So will you take it from me? Will you help me? When Caleb was probably about four years old, um, 
there's a virus that goes around sometimes in daycares and in, in pools and things. It's called musculum. You ever heard of that before? Isn't that the, am I defining? These little bumps that you get. Well, when he was about four, um, he had that virus. And, I mean, he would end up with these little white bumps all over him. And so one day, one of those bumps got extremely infected. And in a matter of short amount of time, I mean, really, really bad. So I did what dads do. I mean, what do dads do with bumps? They like to mash them, right? And it kept coming and coming and coming and coming. And I said, we got to take him to the hospital. I mean, it was right on the thigh. And uh, when I got him to the hospital, I mean, we're talking serious. I mean, this wasn't like anything that I had ever seen before. So they got him into the back room, and they started picking and prodding and pulling. Listen, if you guys are a nurse, be careful how you treat children, especially when daddies are in the room, okay? I mean, they got his leg digging in it, and, and they're like, he's screaming bloody murder. And finally I looked. I said, hey, listen, if his mama was here, somebody would be dying about right now. <laughs> So I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to put him out because you can't pick on him and pull. I'm thinking, man, that's got to be hurting. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, they're sticking instruments all the way through his leg. It was, it was really serious. He had a bad, bad staff. We didn't know what it was, but it was just horrendous. So in putting him out, here he is. Is Caleb, he's laying and he's like, Daddy, Daddy, help me. They're skinning me alive. <laughs> that's the honest to goodness truth. I don't know if Meredith's in here any place, but she remembers. That's exactly what he told me, and tears is coming out of his face. And I'm thinking, man, listen, I'm fixing to hurt some people in this room. Y'all got to help me. <clears throat> and I was telling him that this morning. He said, Dad, it wasn't just one. It was two, because I still got the holes in my leg to prove it. But here he is crying out to me. His father in the midst of that room that I knew that I could wipe the whole place out and take care of business. I mean, I had the ability and the strength to be able to do that. But I couldn't. Because I knew for him to be able to get better, he was going to have to go through that pain and suffering. Wow. That pain and that suffering. And see... The thing was, it was Jesus that when he prayed, here's Jesus in the flesh, the chosen one, the Passover lamb, in the midst of all of that, it would die for and suffer for our sins. And here Jesus was crying out to his father saying, help me, help me. I know that you can help me if you want to, daddy. I know that you can save me and protect me from having to go through this. I know that you can stop this. Daddy, take this cup from me if at all possible. I don't want to go through this. See, when we take the Lord's Supper these days and we participate and we remember the crucifixion and the suffering of Jesus, it was the cup that represents what? The blood of Jesus that was shed for our sins. And Jesus knew what would lie ahead. Take this suffering Take this from me, for I don't want to do it. In the midst of his humanity, I'm overwhelmed. 
And he goes on, and I repeat it again. Abba, Father, he cried out, Everything is possible for you. Take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want what? Your will to be done, Lord, not mine. And here's Jesus. Remember, he taught us to pray, not my will, but yours be done. But here's the conflict. A lot of times we don't know what's next. But he knew what was next. He knew the arrest. He knew the suffering. He knew the beating. He knew the carrying of the cross. He knew the spear in the side. He knew it all. He knew it all. And he knew that it wasn't far off. But it would be in just a few hours all of these things that would take place. See, a lot of times we think stuff's happened way down there. Well, I'll just wait. No. He also knew the timing. That the time was close. And this was the humanity of Jesus. Daddy, isn't there any other way besides what lies ahead? But Lord, if, if there's not your will over my will. And look at what it says. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? I mean, if you, if you only knew what was ahead. Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. See, in times of stress, we become very vulnerable to do what's easiest. Are you with me? See, in that moment in time when we get distressed, or we get anxious, or we get tired, or our strength begins to, to tarry, we become very, very vulnerable. And it's easy for us to give in. It's easy for us to just say, whatever, I'm done, and give up. And Jesus is saying, I, I know that you want to be with me, and your spirit is willing I know that, you, that you're on this mission with me, but I want you to understand that for you to be part of this, that it's much more than just hanging out with the bros. There's some tough times ahead. There's some difficulties that are ahead, and I know that your spirit is willing. And man, I know how much you want to be with me, but you don't know what I know. You don't know what lies ahead. You don't know the stresses and the struggles that are coming, but I know, and your spirit is willing but man, you're so weak. Falsely accused, betrayed, mistreated, humiliated, suffer, eventually dying on the cross. And Jesus said, listen, what's going to happen to me is only a picture of what will take place in your life. Because you will also suffer. When's the last time you've suffered for Jesus? Not many of us in this room have suffered for our relationship with Christ. When's the last time you've looked at somebody and you've confronted them over sin and said, no, that's wrong? When is the last time that you've made a stand in love and said, no? When is the last time that you've stood up for what's right and said, only Jesus? And Jesus wanted them to know that they would be tempted. 
But not only would they be tempted, but so would us. We would be tempted just as we are today. And he goes on to say in verse 39, Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayers before. And look what happened. When they returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they could not keep their eyes open. And they didn't know what to say. When they returned to him the third time, he said, Just go ahead and sleep. Sleep. But there was something that changed. There was a turn that took place in the prayer. And this is what he says. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The time has come the Son of Man is to be betrayed in the hands of sinners. Up. Let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. Look, my betrayer is here. This is a whole different attitude from being overwhelmed and distressed. All of a sudden, there was an attitude of, of um, I'm going to make it. It's going to be okay. We're good. Let's go. What was the guy said on the plane? Let's roll. Remember that on the plane crash? Let's roll. Let's get this thing moving. I know what lies ahead. Father, if you don't want to take it from me, not my will, but yours be done. There was something that happened in the midst of the prayer. Something changed. Something happened. And in the midst of that struggle, all of a sudden, there became an incredible boldness and courage that surfaced. Jesus stood up and said, let's go. I know what the inevitable is. Let's walk towards it instead of from it. We're not going to retreat, but we're going to press ahead. We're going to press ahead. But how many of us don't want to press ahead in the midst of stress? How many of us don't want to press ahead in the midst of anxiety? How many of us don't want to press ahead when the future looks bleak? How many of us want to just stop and give in and become vulnerable and say, whatever. I guess he's not real because obviously he's not giving me what I want. You're with me. I guess all this belief stuff about God isn't, isn't really true because it doesn't seem to be working at this moment. But Jesus said, no, let's go. Let's move ahead. How many of us pray for strength when going through a difficult time? How many of you have prayed for strength even this past week? Let me ask you a question. Is strength really what you want? Or are what you really saying, God, I want you to take the pain away? See, I don't really think it's strength and perseverance that we want. I really think, Byron, that really what we're looking for, I think what we're really saying is, God, will you remove this from me because I'm getting tired of dealing with it? What if prayer was more than just about changing an outcome? What if prayer was less about the outcome of a circumstance and more about the depth of our hearts? What if God's greatest work within us happened 
when we prayed. Not because of what we getting what we want, because we came to acknowledge who was in control in my response of saying, God, if you're in control, you're trustworthy. So I'm going to leave this with you, and I'm going to press ahead. What if God's desire for us was more than just knowing Jesus as Savior? What if there was a what was if what if there is a purpose behind suffering and pain? And in the midst of that, it wasn't just about coming to know Jesus, but what if it was about conforming us to his likeness so that we could live a more and abundant life? What if, that, what, what if that's what God really wanted from us when we were outside the four walls of what happens inside of here? What happens if, if in the midst of our struggles and stresses, what, what if it wasn't so much about removing the stresses and the struggles, but what, was, what if we were to think about it from a perspective of, God, what, what are you doing right now? And what is it you want me to see? And what is it you want me to hear? And what is it you want me to do? Give me strength. I need it. I need it. What if everything that we were going through in life was really about change, about conforming us to his likeness? What if prayer was part of spiritual growth? Ding, 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 ding. Not my will, but yours be done, Lord. That's right. A lot of times we want to pray for strength, but if you'd have prayed for guidance to start off with, you wouldn't be in the situation you're in. That's exactly right, Larry. It's a good word. You know, I go back. Um, if we believe that prayer was one of the ways that God helps us grow spiritually, I wonder if we would approach prayer differently. What if our expectations in prayer would change? See, I, I believe that our children are a direct result of prayer, but let me say this confidently. During the 12 years of infertility, there were things that I learned about the characteristics of God that I would not have learned if God would have given us children up front. Are you with me? And there were many times that I said, God, will you remove this stress from me? Remove this pain from me. Give me strength. But that really wasn't what I was praying. What I was praying, Lord, you give us children. That's really what I was praying for. But I remember that time when I raised my fist and I said, God, not my will, but yours be done. And whatever it is, I'm okay with it. That's a hard place to be. God, I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. But Lord, if that's what you want to do, I'm okay with it. That's a different approach to prayer. That's the humanity of who we are. God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to struggle with that. I don't want to put up with this. But how many of us are in the midst of sufferings right now, and the only thing that you're saying is, get me out of the situation that I'm in. And God's saying, listen, I want to teach you something. Will you come to the place that you, I'll be able to conform you into the likeness of my son? But to do that, you're going to have to give something up. Self. I don't want to do that. 
Let's work on it a little bit more. But when we pray like Jesus prayed, it leads us towards a recognition and surrender. Reminding us that because of God's majesty and his power, I can trust him and I don't have to be afraid. That is as dark and gloomy as it may seem, I can trust him. And here's Jesus going from a position of struggle and discouragement to a posture of great confidence and determination. You know, I go back to children. What happens if Meredith and I still didn't have any children? Would that deplete or would that take away from who God is? Not at all. What about a single person that's single? Would that, would that person remain single the remainder of their life? Does that mean that that take away from God's greatness? Not at all. What happens if there's a person in jail that's suffering, and, and let's just say that, that they don't get out. Let's say they, they stay in jail for one, and they've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Of them not getting out, does that mean, does that change the direction of who God is and his greatness? No. Not at all. Because this is one of the things that we've said over and over. Our faith isn't our faith until our faith is tested. Until you've got to step out and say, okay, God, I don't understand it, but even in this, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to hang on. Give me strength and give me perseverance. Change my circumstances, but not my will, but yours be done. How many of us always want to take a shortcut? I'm a shortcut person. I like the closest place between point A and point B. I don't like to take any detours a lot of times. Maybe that's the way that you are. Shortcuts. But it's easy for us to want to take shortcuts in our lives. To fall asleep. To become vulnerable. He wants us to believe like Jesus did as his children to approach him to say father i believe that everything everything is possible through you but if there's no other way lord have your way with me i'm willing and this is one of the hardest things to say is close out because we don't like this because this makes us uncomfortable but God will go to all extremes to help us learn to trust him more. I don't like that, Sherry. See, we think the good Christian life is the person that has it all together and, and life is fine. No. No. We judge people a lot of times because they're going through difficulty, and we say to ourselves, even though we don't realize and understand, I wonder what sin they've committed. You ever been there? The Pharisees did that too, people. But our Heavenly Father loves us enough to put us in extreme circumstances that allows our, our faith an opportunity to grow. I don't like it. That's the reality. And as I close today, in reference to outcomes, what is it that you might be dealing with right now?
that you're suffering through, that you're in an extreme amount of pain, that it would be easy for you to be able to pray, Lord, give me strength, but you're really not praying. You just want to take it. Lord, take this from me, take this from me, take this from me. How many of you are in a, just a dark place right now because of pain and suffering? And really you need strength to be able to say, Lord, help me through this time because I really want to be your person. Lord, I, I really want to be an example. I really want to be your child and I want to learn something through this. I don't know who it may be, but I want to be able to pray over you today. I want to be able to pray for you because the reality of your suffering is real. It's not, it's, it's, it's not just sort of made up. Suffering is real. Difficulty is real. But in the midst of that suffering, it's what you do with it and where you turn that makes the difference. And instead of turning off this way and saying, God, I'm just going to put you on the back burner because, because obviously you're not God. Because if you were God, you would get me out of this. Some people just want to run this direction. But my prayer for you today is that in the midst of your suffering, that you would stop, that you would acknowledge that you're not fine, okay, and that you need help. See, there are some here that need financial help. Zero in the bank account. As a matter of fact, not zero, it's in the negative. It's okay. God teaches us. Mark Duchesne would love to be able to sit down with you in financial peace and talk to you about finances and about God's way. Because God uses finances, believe it or not, to draw us to him. Some of you are struggling in your marriages. Instead of running away, maybe it's time to sit and to find counsel and listen. Some of you might be dealing with the suffering of a wayward child that's just shut the door and left and said, I'll never be back. I've talked to several families that this past week that have been dealing with that. But in the midst of the suffering, the priority would be, this is the reality of what I'm experiencing. And in my suffering, God, I'm not going to run from you, but I'm going to run to you because I know that I can trust you. So if you're suffering today, something specific, we're going to do what we don't always do. But if you're dealing with something specific, and we don't need to know any details, and it could be on behalf of somebody else, a friend, and it could be on behalf of a family member. If you're suffering today and you say, I want to acknowledge, I'm not fine, or I've got somebody in my family that's not fine, I just want you to stand where you are. Because I want to pray for you today. Don't have to be embarrassed. Because I can start calling names out. I'm not fine. I got somebody in my life that's not fine. Struggling. Dealing with difficulty. I mean, I got maybe there's bitterness or anger in something in your life that you thought was past, but it's really not past. It's a whole lot easier when somebody else stands next to you, isn't it? Maybe everybody won't be focused on me. This isn't about anybody else. This is an acknowledgement before God. God, I want to let you know that I'm in a really intense time of suffering or somebody in my family is and I'm standing today acknowledging the fact that I'm hurting. That's you. Would you just stand? 
There are people that are standing all over this place, and this is what I'm going to ask for some of you to feel comfortable to do this. I'm going to ask if you might would go stand with somebody today. Just lay your hand on them. Somebody that you see that's close by you, if you'll feel comfortable in doing that, just go lay your hand on them at this time. This is difficult, but if there's somebody that's standing, you have a relationship with them, just go and stand with them. Put your hand on their shoulders. I'd love for everybody here to have somebody putting their hand on somebody's shoulders. They're all the way up in the top of the balcony to all the way down here on the bottom of floors. You don't have to just put your hand on them just as an acknowledgement as, as I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. There's so many of us that are standing today. There's not enough people to go around, is there? Because the reality is that we are not fine. But many of us are struggling. God, in our prayer today, this is what I pray. Our feelings come and go. There are those moments that we feel joyous, and then there are those moments that we just feel totally depleted of all of our energy. And we don't even know what lies ahead. We think we know what lies ahead, but we don't know. So what I'm praying for this group of people today, Lord, is I'm not praying just a removal of the circumstance. Lord, I'm praying for strength, and Lord, I'm praying for perseverance amidst this, and that you would help all of us here that are struggling, that are suffering, that are dealing with these things, Lord. What I'm praying for is that, is that God, in the midst of our sufferings, we would ask the question, God, why? What for? What is it you want me to see? And help us grow during this time to trust you more. Father, I'm praying because, because our strength many times is in the, has been depleted and it's gone. There are just times we want to give up and we just want to so forget it. But Lord, may we sense your presence in this time. That in the midst of the suffering, that Father, somewhere deep down that we'd be able to find encouragement and that there would be a sense of boldness and determination that would flow because, God, we know that even in this that you're working for the marriages, for the finances, for the, for the difficulties at, at work or in the difficulties at home, whatever it may be, the wayward child, what, whatever circumstance, that in this, God, we would see your hand. And just as Jesus prayed, because of your greatness, Father, it gives us the ability to say, not my will, Lord, but yours be done. We want to say, Father, help us to be moldable. Help us to be vulnerable at this time and to take our hands off the wheel. Give us a sense of peace in your presence that only you could give. I pray for those of us that may be seated here today and, and we're not standing, but maybe there's something that's going on or for the thing that's going to happen that they don't know. Make us very aware. Remind us, Father, that the priority of prayer isn't just removing or changing the circumstances, but it's bringing us to a place of God we say, your will be done. And help us, Father, because we need it. And I'm praying you'd help us as we walk through this time because there are people on the outside of the walls of this building today, Father, that are looking for answers to some of the same questions and incidents that we are facing in our own lives. 
And there's no telling the number of people that are watching us as we're walking through this stress. And so, Father, I pray that in the midst of the darkness, that, that, that your, our light would shine so, so brightly that in the midst of the stress of the struggle that we may be having, it would be a loud, gong, gonging symbol, clanging symbol on the outside of your greatness. That even though we walk through the difficulties that God, that we would come to a place of saying, you're still there. And then others may be attracted. They may be attracted by that courage and boldness. I pray that what we learn, Father, that what we, what we come to understand about your greatness in these dark times of suffering, that we'd be able to, to be able to share that with others freely about the fact that you're there in the midst of the valley, that you are our strength, that you are our protector, and we don't have to be afraid. Thank you, Father, for the acknowledgement today, and I pray that we've learned something that would be helpful as we apply it to our lives. Thank you for the life of Jesus, who being the greatest teacher of all, taught us not only in what he said, but he taught us in how he lived. I pray that we would do the same as we go. Thank you, Father, for hearing us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.